Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Josh Brown, I have one thing and one thing only for you. Go on then. <laughs> <laughs> Scott, you need to stop this. You subjected me to the Final Fantasy soundtrack all day yesterday. In like, yeah. I, I'm not going to call the police for much, but I might call the police for that. You know what I mean? Like, that is... Look, it's... It's a big year for Final Fantasy, and I don't know whether you're on the hype train yet. I know that the, the hype train is boarding your station. We'll be coming in very soon, but it's a, it's a big old year for Final Fantasy across the board. Here's the thing. I am on the hype train, you know. I'm already on it. I'm on the train that pulls into the station in Final Fantasy VII. That's where I am right now, <laughs> and I'm really looking forward to the second part of that, and I'm looking forward to sixteen. But do I have time in my very busy schedule for all of these pixel remasters? I don't know if I do. Don't know if I do. I, I mean, there are beautiful, beautiful things. So we'll get to the conversation that inspired me opening the podcast on this. I didn't even know if you could hear that there. I know that it'll come through on my recording because I'm using a separate thing to record my audio, but I just wanted to play you the Edgar and Sabin theme because we had it on in the office all day long, and um, I thought maybe you'd want a little reprisal. Uh, I I appreciate the thought, but as I said (laughs) at the start, maybe not in practice, maybe not in practice. Maybe uh, I've had my fill. It's a beautiful theme. Yeah, it's a beautiful thing. Um, but this is the Entitled Banter Podcast, speaking of beautiful things. I'm Scott Tilford. That's Josh Brown. Good afternoon, Scott Tilford. Filling in for a very busy Jules Gill, telling us he wasn't actually going to be able to meet the make the recording today. So I drafted in the best boy I know and put out the call over on Twitter. So we've got a whole bunch of questions, a whole bunch of talking points and things to get through. The first of which being from Jack Jingle, who just says, anyone on the Final Fantasy Pixel remaster <laughs> hype train, excited to get into playing Final Fantasy VI on my Switch. Now, I don't want to spend too long on this, um, but yes, very much on the hype. On the hype train and um, had to fight my urge to buy all six of them all in one go and um, i've bought six again it's like the sixth sixth seventh time that i've started this game in my life and i am determined to finish it this time so i've i played it all yesterday last night i'm further through than i used to be good I'm, I'm loving it i'm loving it here's my question you were telling me about these pixel remasters yesterday and i know you've been mm-hmm. looking forward to these dropping on these consoles for a while now mm-hmm. but are you playing through Final Fantasy VI, with all of the added bells and whistles, (laughs) i.e. the ability to move faster, the ability to skip some random encounters, or are you getting, like, the the original authentic version? How are you playing it? 
So I initially really wanted to get the, I mean, the thing is like over the years, I've been there. I was there at the beginning. Like I, I've been there and I had, I had Final Fantasy VI on PS1. That was the original version that I had. So I have played the original version back in the day. However, then this is the most minuscule thing that they've added, but you can run diagonally now. And so <laughs> you, you can just get all the way around all these levels way faster. And you can make it so that your default run speed, uh, that your default movement is a run. And then you can speed that up so you can fly through the levels. And um, basically what I'm saying is I've tried this game like six, seven times over the years, over the past two plus decades, um, and I'm loving all the little boosts that, it, that they've put in. However, one of the things you can do is turn it into, you can turn random encounters off entirely, and you can make it so that um, your XP is times four, up to times four. You can choose, you can turn XP off altogether if you want, which is kind of crazy. Um, but that made me kind of think, well, I guess they're trying to maybe address like how sort of random battle heavy a lot of the like older games used to be. And I was like, well, maybe I can find like a sweet spot. So I've kind of been doing a thing where I didn't grind for a little bit because I was like, I want to get caught up on the story. I want to sort of get things in motion. Um, so I turned encounters off for a bit. And I just sort of like blazed through a few of the caves that were at the beginning of the level and just get to the next story bit and get to Edgar and Sabin's theme. That was a beautiful part of it. <laughs> and so I did all that. And then I was like, well, in my head, I was like, I need to make up for what would have been, I don't know, 15, 20, 30 fights at that point so I sort of just put the XP on like times four and I just did three or four fights and I was like well mathematically that's almost right yeah so I, it's weird because I don't want to break the game and I, I'm very aware that you could just sit and grind South Park style and just grind the end you could grind until you could beat everything in 10,000 points or something like per hit or something and I don't want to do that um, even though I am sort of mostly there for the story at this point, because I've, I've just heard so much about Final Fantasy VI's characters and everything. So it's kind of crazy, because I don't like using boosts and stuff in games like this. I've never done it before. Um, it's just that with such an old game and with them doing it in like an official capacity, it's yeah. kind of interesting. Where where would one start who has never <laughs> played the original Final Fantasy games? And I'm talking about specifically 1 to 6 here. Because okay. I look at this entire package and I don't know where to begin. Obviously, you mm -hmm. can start at 1, but that's burnt me before. I remember starting with the original Metroid and that kind of put me off that franchise <laughs> for a little bit. So, like, which, what's the highlight of this collection? What's the jumping mm -hmm. in point? If you had one to recommend me, which one would it be? By far, it's six. Like ah. six is the one that the fandom hold up as the best Final Fantasy of all time. Like it's it's always six, seven, or nine always get held up as the main three. Um, and it's and a lot of people swear by six, um, just because of how sort of focused it is and like it is that old school RPG thing. And some people like there's a whole thing in the nineties about how like Final Fantasy VII was marketed off its like CG graphics and oh my god, look at all these incredible character models in this in the cutscenes, not obviously not in the game. And um, the way that it all kind of rolled out, where you kind of had a lot of Final Fantasy fans in the late nineties just saying like, well, it's good and it's pretty but it's not a fight it's not final fantasy 6 like that game is way more um like tonally it's way more like gallant and like, like big high fantasy and it's just like you know kingdoms under siege and evil villains and cackling evil villains and all that kind of stuff and it's really really fun um, and so 6 is by far the one that's held up. I think that like if you go back through them, because um, I played the original Final Fantasy, like the original, original one, um, decades back when I got a um, on a modern emulation thing, and uh, that didn't hold up very well. So it's like, I think the remastered version of it, the pixel remaster, has a lot more uh, in terms of the pixel art and stuff, and it's cool seeing what they've done, but it's you get you get just as much out of that, to me, looking at like a comparison video and being like, well, that's cool. They took something from like 1984 or whatever it was, right. and then redrew a lot of the, um, the artwork because the original artist is back on the pixel remaster stuff which is really cool um but yeah by far if you want an old school 2d final fantasy it's it's six with a bullet like i mean a lot of people recommend um four as well and five um but six is the one where it really stepped up and the music is incredible and 
Oh my god, not this, not just Edgar and Sabin's theme, but the whole opening of Six is like iconic. And I think if you played it now, you'd still get it. Like you've got to do that yeah. thing where you sort of imagine what it would be like playing it back in the day. But there's a whole graphical effect that they do at the start of Six that is still so so cool. I always like asking people about their favorite Final Fantasy games and which ones people should play because they inevitably mm. inevitably start by saying, you know, seven, nine, or whatever, focusing in on one, and then they mm. say, oh, but you know what? Four, <laughs> five, six, seven, nine, ten, uh, fourteen, fifteen. They're all they're all great. They're all great. And then you come away <laughs> with like ten game recommendations, and it's like that kind of didn't help. Kind of didn't. Look, help. if I can if I can ever get you to play, it'll be final. If I was going to get you to play something, it'd be Final. Fantasy Fantasy 7, the original Final Fantasy 7, that's yes. still the one to hold up, even though the Western version of that game script falls the, the hell apart towards the end. It's still very fun. Um, but yeah, in speaking of the original uh, Pixel Remaster hype train that was mentioned about 100 years ago, I'm very much loving my time with that game, um, and I'm flying through it, so I, I love the whole tone of that thing. Um, next question from Darren Roberts, who says, After the big light debate, I'm intrigued to know how you guys play games audibly. Are you headsets all the way, or do you listen to sound through the TV slash other means? Lastly, thoughts on DualSense audio in games. Oh, I love, <laughs> love, love this question. Scott Telford, do you want to take it away first? How do you? Well, I I laughed at this because <laughs> speaking of audio, you told me yesterday, and you it was after a barrage of that one theme being played at your face for about forty five minutes, where you were saying I'd probably put some headphones on at this point. I'd probably go and listen <laughs> to something else, and I was like, that's sacrilegious. You've got to listen to the game music. So. I'm very much someone who um, prioritizes game music unless it's something where I know it's going to repeat a lot or it's a multiplayer game, in which case I'm putting podcasts on, I'm putting albums on, um, I'm not prioritizing game audio. I don't like, uh, also that's the case of I'm replaying something. If I'm playing through something first time, it has to be the game audio because I think that's, I just I just think that's weird. I'm not taking it in. It's like I'm watching yeah. a movie with subtitles and not the audio. It's weird. So like that's whole thing. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm just I just have it on the TV unless. But I do prefer headphones. It just feels weird if I'm sitting in a room with a TV and I have headphones on. I find that weird. But I don't. I, I don't know. I kind of know what you mean. I'm I'm very similar, you know, in that when I listen to music as well, I always like putting it out of my speakers at home rather than mm. using my headphones, even though I still, you know, love using headphones. It's just, it's a little bit cozier, I find. Mm. And I don't know whether anyone would agree with that, but I like it filling the room up mm-hmm. uh, rather than listening to headphones. That said, I love playing horror games with headphones on it, mm. and it's very rare that I get the chance to do it. I love like the 3D audio on the uh, PS5, for instance. I think that just mm. makes uh, everything so crisp. I'm playing through Horizon Burning Shores at the minute, and like the amount of ambient noise that you can pick up with headphones on in that mm. thing is crazy. But my issue, well, not really an issue. My, <laughs> my 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 side effect of living with my partner is she's often in the living room. So when I'm That's playing a game, too. she'll be watching the game. So we put it through the television or our sound mm. sound bar, so then she can hear it as well. But um, I kind of like a mix. That's a bit of a cop out statement, isn't it? <laughs> but when I'm playing multiplayer games, it's headphones all the way. But if I'm playing like a, a story driven game, I actually th- mm. I, I like it through the telly. I like Mine things. It depends if wearing headphones. Because I, I do. That's the that's the thing. On like, if I was gonna let you compare them, headphones are better. You get a, you, yeah. you just get a. You pick up way more stuff. Music through headphones way better than just speakers on the other side of the room or something. Um, but there's just something about sitting. Like I said, sitting with headphones on in a room that could be filled with music or whatever. That just feels like it should be that. Also, I have a weird thing. It reminds me of like when I wear a VR headset and I'm not. I always think anyone could be standing behind me. I'm always like <laughs> too aware of. I just have this thing where if I'm the only person 
person in, in the house, in the room, then I, I, anyone could be there. And I don't like that. And if I have headphones on listening to music and enjoying the game, there could be 20 people behind me ransacking my house. I have no idea. I love every time you mention this because I imagine <laughs> there's at least a few viewers, or sorry, listeners out there who think mm. Scott's house must be incredibly unsecure that he can put, a, <laughs> put on a headset and then worry about 20 ransackers in the Look, back. If I'm taking looking in stuff. one direction, that the other direction's completely blank. That's all I'm saying. I don't, I just, I can't, I can't do it. I don't like it. Circling back around to the second part of this question about like the dual sense noise, we might differ yes. on this because I bloody love the dual sense speaker and recently playing through Resident Evil 4. When you use headphones in that game, obviously you can still play the noise out of the speaker, but I've got noise cancelers, so I can't hear mm. it. I don't get the same vibe. And I was actually playing that game more with headphones off because I wanted the sound from the DualSense. I love the extra immersion <laughs> that thing adds. Like my One of my favorite innovations, and I use that genuinely here, that term, mm -hmm. was when developers decided to play audio files out of the speaker rather than the television. To me, there's right. just something about it. Again, I'm talking about that level of coziness. I'm talking about that level of immersion that um, that speaker just manages to completely nail for me, even though I know you're going to tell me you turn it off instantly. Of course you do. Of course you do. I just don't like it. Every time something comes out of the speaker, I go, is that my, is my phone playing something? What is that? And I just turn it off and, like, and my partner turns around and she's like, what's that? And I just go, you know what? I'll turn it off. I'll come. I'll have it come out the TV. It's all from a consistent audio space. I know that I don't have to balance the levels because sometimes the TV speaker I don't like it being too loud in case something shocking happens. I just like knowing that I'm hearing everything from either headphones or TV. I don't need this little speaker vying for my attention every oh, seconds. Man, I'll t I loved its utilization in the Dead Space remake because every mm. time you get like a voice call or a video call in that game, um, the developers very smartly use like this really jarring and harsh kind of crackle to open oh, yeah. uh, the video call and it's mm. it kind of works as a jump scare in and of itself so every time that thing would play and it would come out the speaker I would mm. get shocked and it would work as a scare even though all it is is someone coming in to give you a little bit of ex a little bit of exposition mm. and I loved that like added um bit of <clears throat> dynamic uh, sound design that was baked mm. into that game and made the horror that little bit more accentuated. I love little details um, like that, and I love it when gun sounds come out of the speaker. <laughs> I always think that makes, combined Ooh. with the trigger press, makes it feel a little bit more tactile. I'm an mm -hmm. absolute uh, sucker for that stuff. One thing, the one time that I've really loved it is in uh, Hotline Miami 2. They made it so that when you do a ground kill, uh, a ground kill is just you grab a dude's head and mash it off the floor of it. The squelches and all the ex all the head mush noise comes out of the controller. I'm loving that because it's it's gyroscopic anyway. So yeah. like you're just sort of whacking the controller around. And you get all these like whack these splashy noises coming off it. I really really love that. However, I want to melt your brain further by saying God. that I've given up on audio audio logs. I don't I don't mm. trust them because every time I put an audio diary on, some you... gameplay trigger always cuts it off, and I'm so sick of that happening that I just I pause the game and listen to it. I don't walk walk around with it on and okay. then after a while I go I just want to play the game I don't want to I'll be on a pause screen so I just play the game I was going to say that's, that sounds like a you problem like it pushing is. too far forward with the audio log on but I agree but they, design, they always record something that's too long and then they give you like, oh then the next game trigger cuts it off pick well, one of the other game devs uh, that is true they definitely ah oh, man I wish you know what would solve this if they had well. a kind of quick replay button so when mm. you encounter some of the noise or dialogue that cuts it off when that's finished you get another prompt saying like do you want to finish off the audio log do you want to restart it kind of like rather than going into the menu yeah kind of like mm. yeah if you could get that kind of like 
the way the dynamic conversations you know flow now in AAA games if you can sort mm. that out for the audio logs that would be amazing just one more shout out for the DualSense yes. controller by the way um, in the speaker through the controller I know I'm pretty sure you turned this off as well but um, <laughs> in Spider-Man Miles Morales and Spider-Man PS5 Remaster the mm-hmm. thwip of the web if I recall comes through the speaker which Not for me, me combined with the, <laughs> again the resistance and the trigger pull I love that's so I'd turn that off much. as well if I could. I hate yeah, the thing would. when the all you need to do a responsive button press. Oh, it's a bit squidgy, so you got to push even harder. Just let me hit the button. I, I just want to hit the thing. I don't, are, I don't need it. There are two people in this life, and the and the, oh. the, the, the me and you for one. But the, they are specifically people who turn off the dual sense features and people who don't. And I just <laughs> I I to steal a phrase from you, I chemically cannot understand people who turn off all of those features. <laughs> I cannot. I don't do it every time. And I, I mean, at the minute, it depends. it's always game by game. I don't want to. I'm not. I always want to get as much out of a game as possible. I've left it all on with Resident Evil Four because every gun does feel different. It's just that sometimes games get it wrong and they try and lock up the analog thing to the point where you're really pushing it just to do a gunshot. And I'm like, I'm just going to turn this off. To be honest, I can't bother <laughs> with your attempt to getting this right. Resident Evil oh. Four gets it right. Uh, in the remake, but I hate when I have to fight a controller just to because sh- I could just I could shoot faster if I just turn it off and I just want to play the game in the words of Reggie Fizeme. So at some point I just want to be able to crack on. Speaking of cracking on, um, questions from uh, VK's Games and Grub. Um, I'm con- I'm condensing a few of these tweets down because they sent us three ones in. Um, but we did read through them. Um, and thank you very much. So he says, "Hello, my beautifully badass bearded brethren. Oh, Since hello. I've become a father, <laughs> I've found myself with much less time to game. Uh, my wife enjoys watching me play single-player story-driven games such as the Resident Evil series, Uncharted, God of War." and because of this I've found that I no longer strive to finish these games on their hardest difficulty. Sometimes, against my completionist and competitive nature, I even set the games to their easiest slash normal difficulty so that we can have a far more streamlined and less time-consuming form of entertainment. Question. Do you ever think this takes away from a gaming experience? And have you ever done this for the same reason or to finish a review process in a reasonable time frame? Interesting question. I don't think it takes away from the experience. I think the the best experience of any game is the best for you, right? Mm-hmm. So if you're not having fun trying to beat something on the standard difficulty and you need to knock it down for time or any reason, like as long as that makes the experience fun for you and as long as you're mm-hmm. getting the essence of the combat or whatever... I think it's totally fine. I just mentioned Burning Shores there, right? And that's a piece of endgame content for Horizon Mm. Forbidden West. So it assumes that you are familiar with all of the mechanics and all of the weapons that you have and all of the armor that you have at your disposal. And I've not played that game in a year. I've not played that game since it came out. I played it 60 hours when it was... Uh, first released and I've not touched it since so jumping into a piece of endgame content that game is kicking my ass <laughs> and last night I also that Ogdo knocked... Bogdo fight is a, is oh. a pain but I knocked it down to easy because I thought while I'm getting refamiliarizing myself with the controls there's no point me hitting this roadblock of difficulty when it's I'm not in the zone that I should be to mm. play the end game bit of content. Why not just knock it down, relearn the controls, and then see if I want to knock it up afterwards? Like as long mm. as you're having uh, fun, and as long as mm. you know you're, you're still getting a nicely balanced experience out of it, or even if you're not, who cares? Uh, yeah, I think there's no shame in it. I prefer to play the Uncharted games on easy because I think. Those games just are way more fun and live Mm. up to the spectacle of the cutscenes when you're not getting shot from 20 different angles and getting punished (laughs) for doing the stuff that's actually cool. The same with um, Wolfenstein. Like, I Mm -hmm. played through those games on on, on normal, 
um, and just had a kind of like a miserable time because the stuff you want to do, you know, going dual wielding shotguns, you kind of got punished for. So mm-hmm. yeah, I think it's just setting your own, what, what do you want out of a game and mm-hmm. what difficulty in what style of play will get you to that uh, experience? We uh, we talk about this loads in the office because I'm a stickler for what did they want what kind of what difficulty did they want to set what was the artist's intention what was the you know I love the whole um, fact that like the Dark Souls games uh, Elden Ring whatever um, they find ways to sort of mitigate difficulty within the game like in obviously Elden Ring it's like you go off and find all the uh, the ashen summons and stuff and that kind of works as a way to make it easier or you summon someone in and they made a point of saying you know you can get someone in who's like 40 levels above you and maybe they'll just help you one shot it. It's a bit of a lottery, but you might be able to get them in. That's a viable thing to do that is sort of born out of gameplay. And I much prefer that to just um, going on a slider and making it so enemies hit me less or whatever it is. I, I would much rather, just completely personally, I would prefer that there were gameplay mitigations like through gameplay itself, through design itself. Um, and I would rather the devs just ga- didn't even have a difficulty slider. I would just, if you can make it more intuitive or something. Um, that said, though, no, there's nothing wrong with it. And I think if you're playing something in a cinematic sense, Uncharted's perfect for it. I feel like that's become like the couple's franchise at this point. Because I remember when I was playing through Uncharted 3 with uh, my wife and we were going through that and it just got absolutely destroyed. Like you were saying about getting shot from random points across the level. And I was like, I didn't have anywhere near this problem with it when I first went through it. And I was like, I don't know if just the person shooter uh, tendencies have changed over the years or whatever it is. I was Whatever I was doing, I was not playing it right, apparently. And I was getting absolutely destroyed. So we ended up knocking it down. Down as well um but i still have that stupid inbuilt thing um from just over the years of being a gamer where you're like am i re- am i getting the most out of it if i play it on easy am i am i re- am i proving anything and i definitely don't have that level of like the proof thing in me anymore because like to be honest in terms of like my, my gaming scruples i've beat the soul series sakira whatever so internally i'm like i know i can do this like whatever and i'm not playing my games on easy i do sort of just i just default to the middle anyway um, but I do have that feeling of like, oh, am I robbing myself of something that would be incredibly satisfying if I left it on at least normal? Right. Um, but I think that's different. I think context dictates. I think if you're playing with a partner and you just want to kind of have fun together, I think that's, yeah. you know, you, it, it context dictates entirely. Like, like I'm, I'm someone who likes to play on like the hard modes of games. Mm. When I went through Resident Evil 4, I played it the first time on hardcore and had an absolute... You, you'll start on a hard difficulty, which is, that, yeah. that melts my head. And that to me was like perfect for what I wanted out of that game. It was the perfect level of difficulty. I had such a fun time. That said, and I might alienate some of the audience right now, but like, <laughs> I want Dark Souls, for instance, to have an easy mode because I think oh, that, okay. you know, there's people like us who can dedicate our time to, you know, spending loads of time in game and, you know, have practice, not practice, but have the experience to be able to intuitively pick things up. But mm. like the person who sent this question in, not everyone has the exact same lifestyle. If, if, if my sure. options are someone who doesn't have the time to beat Dark Souls on the regular difficulty because they don't have the time to put into it to get there. If my options are play through that game on an easy mode or don't experience it at all, I'll pick the easy mode every time, you know what I mean? Mm. Just to cater to a bunch of different, you know, skill levels, lifestyles, all of that stuff. I think I think the the easy mode sort of approach is better than just locking everyone out because i mean the easy mode does not hurt the people who would still play it on standard or whatever you know no, i just i think for me like the middle ground would be like having the game detect like the way you're playing the the pitfalls you're falling into the the mistakes and design around that like i would rather have something that was you don't even realize because there's all been all sorts of different versions of adaptive difficulty whether it's like the rubber banding stuff in racing games or whatever but i think that to me is more in the right direction like we're talking about an interactive medium so why not have something that has like 
uh, interactive or authored difficulty, like, you know, based on how you play. I just, I love the, the potential of that. So I guess I, no game's really perfected it, um, but I like the idea of having something that is baked into the design that yeah. works with you in a way. And I think that there's maybe some sense of authorship that could come from that, where a, um, an auteur could literally hang their heart on, like, we perfected challenge um, yeah. and, and it's per player. Like, that could be cool. Well, it's like the original version of the original Resident Evil 4, which had that adaptive mm. difficulty, which would literally spawn more ammo for you or even despawn certain enemies from certain areas, depending on how much it was kicking your ass. You know, if you went into <laughs> um, certain zones, you would have slightly different combat encounters that were skewed easier or harder, which meant mm. that while, play while most people at launch played it on the same difficulty, not everyone had the same difficulty experience, you know? So I quite sure. like that approach as well. I do quite like as well when you kind of realize that you're in the pocket of that design where you're sort of, you're just getting by. Like take Resident Evil as an example. You're just nailing enough headshots. You're just wounding enough enemies. and But you're on really low health and you're like, okay, hopefully the game recognizes this. And you sort of get in the mind of the devs or whatever. And like you kill a dude and it spawns like in that, in that game's case, like a green herb or something. And I think that's cool of just being like, you rewarded me at exactly the right time. And that was baked into the design and I did my part and you gave me something. And I just, to me, it's, it's that kind of thing. Um, which like, there's a lot more that can be done in that regard. Totally. I think I'm, I'm not saying that you're saying this or even anyone mm. who's listening to this is saying this, by the way. But um, I think it's as sort of gamers as we are, you know, we kind of <laughs> sometimes, myself included, assume that everyone has the same skill set, is True. as familiar with a control scheme as we are. For instance, I've been playing through Resident Evil 8 Village in VR, like I mentioned. And I'm mm -hmm. so familiar with VR that it's like, you know... It's 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 like I've learned a second language or I've ridden a bike. It comes so naturally. I know all the buttons, despite how convoluted the eye can do in-game actions that mimic my real-life hands. But at the weekend, my dad was up, and my dad loves VR, and I put him on Resident Evil Village, and it took him an hour to stumble through the tutorial because he couldn't just get right. to grips with the control scheme. And I remember th playing through Resident Evil 8 Village, and kind of lamenting that I had the difficulty too low because, you know, I, I was like, oh, man, like, I, I'm, I'm almost too good at the game because I know the controls too well. I should have bumped it up. And I was like, I wonder if this was the intended vision. And then I realized that if my dad played it on that difficulty, he would not get out the first zone. You know what I mean? Just no. while he's learning with the controls and stuff. So I think that kind of level of presumed skill or familiarity can often, like, get skewed because I think it's virtually impossible to create what you were kind of alluding to earlier which is a kind of ideal run through mm. the game just because the skill gaps and the familiarity gaps and the experience gaps can be uh can be so large and ultimately i want my dad and this is just personal now i want my dad to be <laughs> able to enjoy resident evil village uh in vr as much as i did and we're very yeah. different people <laughs> you know what I mean? if you're looking for plump lips that last you need to know about juvederm lip fillers with Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're 
you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science, with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Before we go any further, I want to talk to you about today's sponsor, Masterclass. With the amount of time we spend discussing and analyzing video games on this channel, it's always good to understand exactly how these experiences are put together. And fortunately for me, I can do just that with Masterclass. With Masterclass's streaming service, you can learn from the best to become your best, studying and growing with over 200 plus of the world's leading instructors. For me, I've been having a blast using a class on video game design by The Sims creator Will Wright to find out exactly how game mechanics are designed around player psychology as well as learning how important playtesting is to shipping the titles that you and I both love. But it hasn't stopped there, as I've also been brushing up on my practical filmmaking skills directly from my favourite movie director Martin Scorsese, as well as trying to get back in the cooking game with Roy Choi's amazing course on intuitive cooking. Seriously, my kitchen is a mess, but my belly has never been more grateful. For just $10 a month, an annual membership with Masterclass gets you unlimited access to courses on your phone, computer, smart TV, or even via audio-only modes. Even better, every new membership comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, and 88% of members feel that the service has made a positive impact on their lives. And to put the cherry on top of that cake, right now, What Culture Gaming listeners get an additional 15% off any annual membership at masterclass.com forward slash gaming. That's 15% off at masterclass.com slash gaming. What's that? You want it one more time? Well, that's the URL masterclass.com forward slash gaming. Right, now I'm going to watch Tony Hawk try to teach me how to ollie properly. I'll see you all soon. I think, no, I think that definitely, like, yeah, I agree with that too. I think there's just like, it's it's going to be a never-ending question because I think that the, a lot of it is like vagaries. It's just sort of like, oh, well, if we reduce the ability to master a certain set of controls, then is the satisfaction you get by going through that experience different because the bar was lowered or whatever phrasing we use for it. I don't necessarily ascribe to that, but I think that's like part of the conversation on it. Um, but yeah, I, for me, it's all, as an overall thing, it's just going to be uh, design, gameplay, implemented, interactive solutions rather than something on the, uh, the customer, on the user side. Um, just in terms of me being like a really arsy person who loves art, I want the artist to figure it out rather than us to have input. 
Um, but that's my most umbrella topic way of approaching it anyway. Um, but yeah, also that whole thing about finishing a review process in a reasonable time frame. Um, no, I've never low difficulty personally, but I get terrified of the reality of getting... St I've been stuck with games before where you're just... You know that your embargo is at the end of the week and it's like Wednesday night and you're just stuck on a boss or you're stuck on a level, especially with puzzles. I suck with video game puzzles um, and I have no patience for them. <laughs> I just don't unless the amount of building blocks to get there feel more natural. And then I'll, I'll actually spend some time figuring it out. But if it's just like... <laughs> the door shuts and it's like, right, figure it out, the, the, whatever. I just, I don't want to. And so stuff like that um, gives me the, uh, gives me the, uh, the anxiety trying to figure that stuff out. So um, I've never actually reduced the difficulty down. You know, when games give you like Tomb Raider would be like, oh, easy puzzles, medium combat, something yeah. else. Um, that just gave me the itch even more because I was like, oh no, I just want whatever you guys think is good. So I'll still do down the middle. Um, but then I would get stuck and be like, I could have put this on easy, but I can't yeah. now. I'm committed to the middle one. <laughs> it's funny how that mentality changes on a second playthrough, I find, because I'm kind mm. of the same. I'm like, okay, I want to play this on hard or normal or whatever and get through it. But then if I'm replaying a game and I've identified what I don't like, for instance, when I replayed through Spider-Man, I was skipping all of those lame puzzles because I just right. didn't want it. And you could argue that I was skipping part of the quote-unquote intended experience, but it's like, at the end of the day, man, it's... It's, it's what do you want out of the game. Mm. Games are art, but they're also modular by design. You know, mm. they're player-driven. And it's, 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 it's what you want. It's just finding out what you want, I think, ultimately. It's also, I mean, I, I'm like a completely broken freak of a man because I'm going through Final Fantasy VI of my own. I'm turning encounters off, and then I'm, I'm multiplying the XP to make up the time lost in the fights that would have been there. It's ridiculous. Like, I think you have to just make it work for yourself. Um, next question from Jack Asbury, who says, UBP, UBP, UBP. UBP, 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 UBP. With Star Wars Jedi Survivor and Ahsoka just on the horizon, my question is, has Star Wars returned to form? You know... No. <laughs> you, you were going to say no. I saw this question last night, and you, you were going to say no. Um, uh, listen, Andor was good. I'm a lapsed Star Wars fan. I've not really mm -hmm. watched much since Rise of Skywalker, which I didn't love. I don't love The Mandalorian, but I'll mm. tell you now. I'm more interested in Star Wars right now than I have been in about four years. The announcement of those three movies at the Star Wars event last week or the week before genuinely got me quite excited. I didn't think I'd be up for the movies that were announced, but I'm here to see what is going on with Rey 15 years down the line. I'm here. What, what, sorry, what, what have they announced? I've missed this well, just by not being in the country. Let me fill you in, Scott Tilford. They've announced three movies, and okay. I know Star Wars as a brand has announced so many movies in the past that just haven't been made, but it feels like these ones are going to be made. You know, they got like mm. a big announcement. They had an uh, you know, attached directors and whatnot. So one movie is set 15 years after the rise of Skywalker, and it's about Rey rebuilding the Jedi Order, essentially. Okay. You've got one from Dave Filoni that is going to, in his own words, I think, um, end the entire Mandalorian arc. So all of the TV shows are getting this big right, okay. movie finale to wrap everything up. And you've got another one, and I think this is set in the Old Republic. It's James Mangold, who has, who directed Logan and is mm -hmm. directing the upcoming Indiana Jones. He's on board to direct this one. And I th that's about the very first Jedi, if I'm remembering correctly. So okay. it's about like the origins of the Jedi. So we're going way, way back. And I just thought those movies might not end up being good but i was interested for the first time 
in a long time. I was way more intrigued by this than I was, you know, the Taika Waititi in development Star Wars movie or Rogue Squadron uh, or anything mm. like that. These just kind of, for me, had a little bit more intrigue and felt a little bit more uh, substantial to the overall mm-hmm. canon. But I, I, yes, I definitely... we'll see. Yeah, I'm definitely, I'm pretty excited to see what Ray's doing next. I like that they're going back to that. I always wanted um, creators to steer back into um, something that was controversial, something that wasn't received very well, and try and make it work or try and flesh things out. My thing overall, because that was why I was like um, interested in the Ryan Johnson separate movies, because his whole thing should have always been separate to me. And so like, I want to know what someone like him does with a blank canvas, essentially. I know those movies kind of got canned or whatever, but it's like, that was like a potentially good way to go. Yeah, my thing is, it'll be proof in the pudding, and it just depends if whether those final uh, products feel like they're saving a brand or whether they feel like they actually needed to exist because I from just completely personally Star Wars doesn't need to exist right now and so like I'm just waiting for them to I mean um, Andor was incredible that felt like it needed to exist but it's not that you couldn't have necessarily done that and it was a war t- what TV series that was ostensibly like a war film um, spread out over like a couple of a season that will be another season in the future um, but yeah I need something that fundamentally adds to Star Wars rather than just we did it again because it makes money so yeah. I'm, gonna, I'm quite I'm very cynical, but it's only because we've we've grown up and covered all of this stuff for the last ten years, and it needs to be something really soulful to bring me back in. I get that as well. You know, I think it's been difficult for me personally to kind of come to terms with the shift in both Star Wars as a brand and the Marvel Cinematic Universe as a brand, Mm. because once over, especially with Star Wars, every new piece of Star Wars media was an event. It was substantial. It was a new episode. You waited decades for it. And even if you didn't, it still felt like something you couldn't miss. Mm. Now, with so many movies being announced and so many TV shows out there and TV shows to come, both of those brands feel like they've pivoted into something that's kind of more, to steal a phrase, player-driven and player-chosen. It's like you now don't have to watch everything Star Wars related and you can pick and choose and some of those things are going to be right up your street like Andor, The Mandalorian or whatever or one of these new movies but not everything is necessarily for you anymore and I'm Mm. kind of coming to terms with that myself in that I don't feel compelled to watch The Book of Boba Fett if I'm not interested (laughs) in it but I will watch the Ray movie when that comes out, you know what I mean? But it's a weird thing because that's like a buffet approach to what used to be a set of specific meals that tasted very, very good. And obviously different, your uh, mileage varies. But like that whole thing of like, you know, I'll not, I'll not watch the Book of Boba Fett, but you might have needed to if the movie then relies on it. I think that's the weird thing because MCU does that as well, where like they'll just be like, hey, by the way, this character, it was fleshed out in a TV series, but you didn't watch that. So you did, it doesn't work in the movie. I think that they are yet to find the balance with that. And Disney are trying to just, for me, they're just casting nets, they're fishing. They're just trying to just see what will catch on. It's like, okay, Andor worked right Right, order another season of that. Uh, they just they just fish in every direction to see what works because for the love of God, they have no idea what to do with it. That's it. And I do think, like the question initially asked, I think both brands, and sorry to bring the MCU in this, I know it was a Star Wars question, <laughs> but I think both brands are so interlinked because they're under yeah. Disney and adopting a very similar model at the moment. I think both brands are on the way up again. I think we've seen the worst of both. We've mm. seen the oversaturation of the TV shows. You know, we've had Kevin Feige come out and kind of put his hands up in the Marvel space and say, look, we made too many shows. We're going to pull way back on this, release a fewer higher quality things. They've delayed a lot of movies, like Blade got delayed a year so they can figure mm-hmm. that out. I'm pretty sure the Marvel's just got extra time as well to make sure its post-production wasn't mm-hmm. suffering the same issues that something like Ant-Man and the Wasp and Black Widow did. And I kind of feel that with Star Wars as well, where the announcements for these movies felt way more 
like not personal but they felt like way more impactful it felt like they Mm. had way more focus and it's still a little bit early but i'm hoping that both are kind of trending upwards and both are finding a little bit more focus uh, going forward yeah also back in the game space i mean i'm looking forward to playing uh jedi i keep calling it fallen order jedi survivor and just because i trust respawn i'll play anything from that team just because titanfall 2 is one of the best games ever made and people never recognize it as such but it just is and so um but i think the trailers have been a little bit weird for um survivor i know you've not seen that much of it because you're staying away to play it next week um but it's just some of the movement on it some of the the ways that cal moves and i'm hoping it's all intentional because i feel like they're sacrificing some animation fidelity to just have pure responsiveness and for the character and you can wrench him out of animation to do something else or whatever and i'm all for that i'm all for um responsiveness being prioritized um it just doesn't look like it demos that well when it's purely visual it looks like it's kind of all over the place um but i just i hope that that's like you know i hope it plays really well i'm sure it will i mean fallen order played so well towards the end yeah um, and i was like that final level is one of my favorite like stretches of game and i like the idea of taking that mentality and just doing a whole game out of it yeah me too i'm i'm looking forward to it i will echo your thoughts about the kind of somewhat jankiness i'd say about the um early footage at least what i've seen and admittedly it's not the recent stuff but i'm still really looking forward to it i think it's interesting that if i recall correctly jedi survivor is the last star wars game under ea's license which has come Uh, to an end so i wonder what happens going forward we've already got a few star wars games that have been announced one from ubisoft one from quantic dream for instance and i think if the dream one's still happening. One. <laughs> oh, that dream one's never coming out. But it's being announced, is all I'm saying. Um, <laughs> so it's 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 in an interesting space. I wonder whether Fallen Order slash Survivor almost proves to be a Insomniac Spider-Man um, situation mm. where the kind of you get a single-player-focused game set in an established universe that kind of knocks it out the park and everyone loves, and then you give that franchise to a bunch of other studios who produce the Avengers and stuff that people (laughs) don't like. I hope that's not the case, but um, who knows? It is Ubisoft and Quantic Dream after all, so I I do kind of see it going down that route, but hopefully not. I feel like, yeah, I feel like overall it was one of those things where, you know, Disney were given the keys to the kingdom. They sort of went crazy. They tried to blow a bunch of stuff out. They released the main installments way too fast. Everyone got very, very tired of it. The quality wasn't there. And then now it's that thing where because you've done that, everyone sort of steps back and goes, well, there's still a lot of fan interest here. It's still Star Wars. We should probably do something with it. And I feel like right now in the next few years are kind of paramount to whether you can restore. I just refer to it as soul. It's always going to be the thing that like products or something need to have. It needs to feel like people wanted to make it. And it didn't feel like anyone wanted to make Rise of Skywalker. And I feel like that's kind of tainted the things that came in the shadow of it. So, um, I'm yeah, I'm just curious at this stage. But I trust in Respawn. I think they definitely are. They want to make a sequel to Fallen Order and flesh that stuff out. Oh, yeah. Um, you mentioned that deal's interesting because I wonder if... It always kind of felt like maybe they were leaning into a trilogy. So I wonder if because the deal came to a close or whatever, if we get bigger plot points in this and if it sort of rounds things out. Because um, they've really stayed away from the story stuff in the more, more recent gameplay uh, footage. It's all just been gameplay demos. I don't know if they'll do this, but I really want to see more developers adopt the Sony Santa Monica approach of getting away from trilogies and just doing two-parters. You know, two really chunky games with a lot of story development in it. So we get, like, very satisfying installments that don't take, you know, 15 years to... (laughs) <laughs> wrap up that's what i want to see more of whatever lets incredibly talented people turn stuff around in less than eight to 15 years i will take 
Um, next question uh, from Andy Taylor, who just says, love the podcast. No question this week, but wondered if I could get a shout out. I'm running the London Marathon this weekend for the amazing David Shepherd Wildlife Foundation. Keep up the amazing work. Yes, consider yourself shouted out. Anyone who wants to go and uh, find Andy Taylor in the comments to this week's UBP shout out on Twitter, um, give him a shout out. And all the best of luck for running the, the marathon. That sounds like a beast of a thing. Hell yeah, it does. That's crazy. <laughs> and we had another one from Mark Watson, who says, it's my birthday tomorrow. Um, today, rather, on the Friday. Um, happy birthday, Mark Watson. Happy birthday, Mark Watson. Happy birthday, Mark Watson. Do I spend my birthday money on Dead Island 2, or would that make me the fooliest of fools? Well, he's the thing. <laughs> As someone who has played Dead Island 2 and really uh-huh. enjoyed Dead Island 2, you can check I'm, out a review. I'm about to buy it myself. Yeah, check out the review on the on channel. The yes. Um, there might be some audio on this feed as well, but I keep after talking to you about it, I'm debating getting it, although it is 50 English pounds. Here's the thing. Here's what I would say to Mark Watson. It's your birthday. It's your birthday money. Um... <laughs> I would say, what else have you played this year? Have you played mm. Resident Evil 4? Because I would say definitely get Resident mm. Evil 4 instead. That's one. That's going to be one of the best games of the year so far. I would True. ask, how much do you like first-person zombie bashing? If it's right up your street, definitely get it. I would say, do you like Star Wars? If you like Star Wars, I'd maybe hold off a week. See how Jedi mm. Survivor reviews maybe get that instead if you're looking forward to it. At this moment in time, it's quite difficult because Dead Island 2 is a really good game, but there have been so many amazing games released in the past month alone, in the past two months. So it's a question of if you've played everything else and you're wanting to get something new and Mm -hmm. and you're wanting just a good game to play through, I definitely would recommend you get it. But... Mm -hmm. In my opinion, it's something that's probably going to be better off in a sale or if it comes to a Game Pass style thing because there are so many other games vying for your attention right now. Very well said. I uh, Yeah, for me, it's the price tag, which lines up with the bargain thing. It was just like, it sounds like it has such a cool, or it does have such a cool gameplay model to it. Um, I'm just waiting a little bit. Plus, I got all the Final Fantasies to play through. What am I going to do? Play Dead Island 2 <clears throat> as well? There's no Dude, theme in that. I know I keep mentioning this, and I sound like a spoiled brat, but there are too many <laughs> video games right now, man. Like, <laughs> playing through Resident Evil, going through Burning Shores, going through Dead Island, having Jedi next week, having Zelda in May, having Dredge I want to go back to, Like a Dragon uh, Ishin. 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 It's just, it's it's overwhelming in kind of the best possible way, <laughs> but also it's given me an existential crisis. So I can totally I do... vibe with Mark Watson being like, what the hell do I spend my money on? Because there's so <laughs> many things wanting my money. It is, yeah, the amount of different options now. It feels like all of last year's delayed titles, I mean, it is literally the case, all of last year's delayed titles are all just sort of peppering themselves the, uh, at the minute. But I feel like the, the place you'll get to catch up will be across the summer, because other than Zelda and, I guess, Street Fighter, there's not that much for the middle of the year. I, I don't, don't know. I, well, yeah. you, you, you say this, I'm certain something big's going to drop. I mean, we've only... I'm going to be playing Zelda into yes. June, right? Yeah. So that kind of gives me July and August, maybe, to play some games. Because by the time September comes around, you've got Spider-Man mm-hmm. 2, allegedly. You've got Starfield. Oh, it just You've got about a two-month buffer <laughs> where you might not have anything. And even then, something probably will come out. And then, unfortunately, Scott Delford, the rest of the year is packed to the gills, the jewels It is gills. a bit. The dual skills. You might be able to get through every single Final Fantasy between 1 and 10 in two but, months if that's all you played. But I want to play all of the Resident Evils, Scott Telford. I want to <sighs> go play through all of those again. That's my <laughs> issue. All the Yakuza games are right there anyway. I watched, sorry, yes. I, wa- I watched a video the other day. Um, I think the channel is called Daryl Talks Games. I'm not very familiar with it. Yes, them. I know that guy. Yeah. I- I've only watched um, this one video, but it, it was Bobby a video Dazzler. where they were like, 
essentially very good, very good. Uh, mm-hmm. Getting all of their backlog into a spreadsheet and figuring out how many hours it would take them to get through, and it was nuts. It was That's crazy. Terrifying. The thought yeah. of doing that right now to myself. I couldn't put myself through it, but I'm kind of <laughs> I'm referring to that spreadsheet every time I add a new game to my playlist for this year, and it's getting right. it's getting huge, it's getting unwieldy. Once you have once you're spreadsheeting your um, to playlist, it's something's wrong. Something's wrong in the industry. Something's wrong in society. Um, I feel like you just go with your gut feeling. Although that does mean that you will prioritize Final Fantasy VI over anything from 2023 yeah. and live like me. But you'd be smiling, so it's fine. Um, next question from KTM421, who says, with X Defined being all the talk in the first-person shooter space right now, and Ubisoft actually being on the good side of a conversation for once, do you think they will capitalize on this and make a good competitor to Call of Duty? I don't know if you've seen this stuff, right? But all of my mm-hmm. YouTube recommendations are from content creators playing X Defiant and kind yeah. of loving it. I've been watching a lot of content on it. And to well, me... See, I- I, just to super quickly say, I played the beta thing and I was like, this is exactly what I thought it was. It's just a Call of Duty clone with some superpowers from Overwatch. I see exactly the David Brent meshing of the fingers approach that you've done. Yeah. And that was like, I mean, to refer to Soul again, it was completely soulless. So I sort of did a good handful of matches and went, yep, it's exactly what I thought it was. And then I got rid of it. That's kind of my opinion as well. I've not played it myself, but like I said, I've watched a lot of footage about it and a lot mm. of people, and I concur with this thought that it looks like, like you said there, a really good Call of Duty clone. But mm. my question is, is that what we want in 2023? I'm personally kind of sick of the core COD multiplayer experience. I love Battle Royale and I love Warzone, but mm-hmm. Team Deathmatch, Domination, that stuff, I was kind of over in 2015, you know, I was kind of a bit right. sick of it. So a new game coming along, doing that again, but probably a little bit worse in the gameplay realm, that to me is not a huge W. It's quite a well, cool thing to have for the people who want it, but I don't think mm-hmm. it's going to be as much of a win as... Rainbow Six Siege, for instance, where that felt no. new and fresh and it got all of these players in. I don't think X Defiant, for as decently solid as it looks, is going to turn things around for Ubisoft. No, me neither. I mean, I think for me, it, it looks like another another multiverses where it, it has like a bit of a bit of like a conversation around. Oh my god, this could be the next big thing. Like multiverses is going to eclipse Smash Brothers, and then it's like right now multiverses is like dead and it's going to be taken offline and whatever else. Yeah. Like it's just there's all that stuff too. I just I feel like people are clamming for something as a competitor to Call of Duty, and nearly every year that's Battlefield, but obviously Battlefield's kind of on the wane, even though it is back at the minute in terms of like you can actually play the thing and it plays pretty well. Um, but yeah, I feel like the conversation around it is stronger than the reality of playing it personally. Um, but I think that in amongst all the stuff of Call of Duty being held up in all the legal proceedings of like all the Sony versus Microsoft stuff, I think people are looking for something to say, this could be the next Call of Duty. Um, I don't think it's X-Define. I just think it's it's too soulless, but that's me. Nah, I agree. And I, I would love to be wrong about this, but X-Defiant to me screams that it's a game that content creators will rave about for the first week or two and then never play again, never touch. It will not become this kind of dominant thing uh, that it may be hyped up to be pre-launch, but I could be incredibly wrong about that. My judgment could be way (laughs) off, and like I say, I hope I am. I hope the game is good, but from what I've seen so far, I just don't... I worry that it won't have the staying power. 
Mm, that's true. I think, yeah, I think in terms of the actual question of being a good competitor to Call of Duty, yes, in the short term, um, because it seems like all the mechanics are pretty solid for it. It was just that thing where it was just on paper, it's solid enough. I just, for me, I was like, if I'm going to play this kind of game, I'm going to play Call of Duty. And it literally felt like you took Call of Duty and Overwatch and just smushed them together. Um, and the same kind of feeling as the division, where it's just sort of like arbitrary shooting with a few powers that you pop off every few minutes. Like there was just, there wasn't else, much else to it for me. Um, we had a question from Honest NPC asking about the state of Xbox. I'm just going to point everyone towards the Winder podcast that we did, I think, at the start of this week. Yes, last week? this week. Was I here last week? I think it was this week. Um, we went into a big deep dive on the state of Xbox because, yeah, I've uh, I made no bones about hiding the fact that uh, I think they're in a abysmal state. And we uh, broke all that stuff down on the Winder, um, which is Monday's uh, regular slot for the podcast. Um, so question from SGFC Greg, who says, I only just got round to playing and finishing The Last of Us last week. <gasps> what a game. Uh, what was a game you didn't get round to for a long time that blew you away? By the way, I managed to stay spoiler-free for the whole 10 years. That's impressive. That's Especially with the show just come out. Like, that is really, <laughs> really impressive. What a great question. Um, do you have, do you have anything me, that comes to mind? Yeah, yeah. So, like, um, for me, it would be Psychonauts 2. It's not that it took me that long. It was a game from last year, or maybe the year before. Times of flat circle, if we think about pandemic stuff. But <laughs> um, Psychonauts 2 was something that, when it dropped, I forget what else was out at the time. And it's not that I didn't... I love the original Psychonauts, but it was one of those games that I fired up. I did the first few levels. I was like, this is absolutely gorgeous. And I love the animation style. I love Tim Schafer. I love the writing. Um, but for whatever reason, it, it didn't click with me at the time. And I didn't get through um, that much of it. Maybe two, three hours or something, if that. Um, and it was one of those things that I just sort of like put to the side, I'll get back to that later. And then however much time it's been since it launched, um, I went back to it, like it was, I don't know, about a month or so ago um, and just did the whole thing in like two settings. I was like, this is absolutely phenomenal. And I cannot shout that game out enough. Just beautiful, really resonant, touching depictions of mental health, of struggle, of just sort of generally figuring out your own um, brain space in the most, in the, just one of the most artistic ways possible. Um, and some really heartfelt stuff. There's a whole level based around a character called Bob Zanotto that I would massively recommend to everyone. I love the way that whole thing plays and is depicted. I don't want to give anything away, um, but I just love that stuff. And I think some of the reveals that you get as that game plays out are just, like I said, very, very touching um, and just very well done. I love every single thing about that game. It was one of those ones where I finished it and I just didn't want to turn it off. I was just spending nice. time in the open world, in the in the hub world, uh, mopping up side quests, mopping up collectibles, which I never do because I just didn't want to turn it off. I just wanted to be in that space for longer. Um, so with an absolute bullet, it's Psychonauts 2 for me. Ah oh, man, I, I I need to go back to that game. I, so I, I wish I wish I loved it as much as you and Jules did. I know he really liked I think it as well. It's a, a, to, to flag that super quick, it doesn't it doesn't put its best foot forward. It has a weird opening where they try and pay off where Raz was at the end of Psychonauts One and at the end of the VR experience. But then they also need to reset you to sort of give you another like hill to climb. And because like, as Tim never planned, Tim like I know him, he's my friend Timothy never <laughs> planned doing Psychonauts Two. Um, back in the day, I don't think so. Um, it has a weird kind of um trajectory at the very beginning but once it settles and you get those you get those levels and need those big set piece levels it's incredible oh yeah it's, it's <laughs> magical that game is magical love that man you've <laughs> absolutely resold me on that game funnily Bosh. enough my examples for this are two franchises that i know you love one is devil may cry and one is god of war because mm. while i played devil may cry 4 and god of war 2018 when they launched I hadn't played any other of those games, so I didn't know what the hype around DMC3 was, for instance. Mm -hmm. I didn't really fully understand the original God of War trilogy and how that played. I knew it by reputation, of course. I knew its story, but hadn't had any first-hand experience of it. And then a few years ago, went through them all um, and had a bloody good time. God of War... <laughs> 
especially <laughs> because I wasn't expecting to love that. Like, I don't really love that kind of, that style of hack and slash. I didn't really love the old version of Kratos as a character. And even, like, yeah. the perspective, I didn't really vibe with it being a little bit too far away, unlike DMC, which is a little bit more closed in. That said, I loved God of War 1, 2, and 3. And despite 3 getting slagged off a lot, I think that might be my favorite. God of War 3 was a huge mm. surprise. And I'm really mm. kind of upset that it took me so long to give them a chance and it kind of just made the experience of god of war 2018 and ragnarok that little bit richer having had that delayed experience with the original trilogy totally man. well we we invented a term um just in the general podcast space and um, called bubbling where it's like if you want to just sort of find a find a franchise and these days everything from mario to kirby to metroid to final fantasy now and um, are the entire legacy of those franchises are just available at your fingertips like i love that either they're already on something like a game pass um or you can just have access to that entire franchise um because i made a point of just sitting and playing through all the kirby's uh, in one row and um, before i went to japan and i love that you can do that so if you want to bubble with a certain game i think that that is really really fun and you get to see how everything advances and um, you know dropping in and out of different ones and maybe you stick with one all the way through um but there's something to that that is like really really cool you just reminded me of another one. Yes. The Legend of Zelda Skyward Sword, which I only played when the remaster came out. And I, I know... being sick over here. He's the thing. Everyone's talking right now about amazing games. And it might just, because, might just be because it's the only second Zelda game I've ever played. Mm. But I loved... I loved Skyward Sword. I loved its stupid little <sighs> motion controls. I loved its fetch quests towards the end. I loved how bloated it was. I have fond memories of that. If you were starving and you and I gave you a locust and you went, oh, there's, there's there's actually some vitamins in here. I can keep going a little longer. There's something in here that I got out of this. And I went, yeah, it's still a locust, though, isn't it? And he went, yeah, but to me, I needed it. Listen, that's that's you now. I, I'd eat an I'd eat a locust. <laughs> I would eat one of those. That's fine. If if, if Skyward, Skyward Sword is a locust, then I will eat a thousand locusts. I will put it that way. <laughs> Uh, I'm going to hopefully mobilize the Skyward Sword Defense Force because I want to see if there's more people out there. Come find us on social media. Let us know what you think. And um, this will be the Entitled Panther Podcast. The UBP, the UBP, the UBP. UBP, UBP, UBP. I've been Scott Taylor, but that's been Josh Brown. Always a pleasure, Scott Taylor. A massive thank you to all of you for sending in your various questions, and we'll catch you next week. Bye bye. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. 
Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.